Welcome, everyone, to another episode of our podcast, Barely Offensive. We have a great show for you today. We have a lot of things planned, a few different segments, a very interesting story segment. Oh, mysterious. This is a podcast about conversation, comedy, and a little conspiracy. Conspiracy, that's right. And today we're going to get into some of that conspiracy. We are. We're going to dig in. Get your shovel, put on your... Digging clothes. My digging Your digging uniform. Yes. I actually have one of those. You have a digging uniform? I do, indeed. Is it just me or 40 years ago, is it like men did yard work just wearing like slacks? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) No, they'd have a full, you know, suit on and they'd be be out working. They may take the jacket They'd be working for an hour before they even loosen their tie. Yeah, exactly. Back when men wow. were men. Yeah, no, I feel in the bad good old myself. days. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think um, before we get started, we should talk about the big news. Um, we have our first sponsor. Yes, that's right. We have our first sponsor. This is really exciting. We've only done a few episodes, and yet we are hitting a demographic that this particular sponsor. I don't. I'm not too familiar with them. They dropped off some cash in an envelope this morning. Excellent. Um, so, so yeah, this is uh, today's show. It's brought to you by Cartelco, the makers of pure sweet cocaine, the latest energy fad sweeping the nation. It keeps you alert for hours and helps you lose weight fast. You can find it at your nearest busy intersection. Side effects may include bladed nose, bankruptcy, and stage interventions. All right, that's our show. Brought Excellent. Brought to you by Cartelco. Cartelco. Well, that's great. We'll have to do um, a little bit of research. I'm not super familiar with them, but uh, excited about... Um, you know the sponsor. The website was mostly in Spanish, but that's a, that's okay. Good. I think they actually gave us a couple of cases. Yeah, uh, that's true. Of, the, of this new energy drink. So on the show today, we're going to talk a little bit about in our conspiracy section. We're going to talk a little bit about chemtrails. Chemtrails. Okay. I uh, think recently this has become a widely known sort of conspiracy. It's sort of in that weird gray area between it's a conspiracy, but there are a lot of elements that are public knowledge or public domain information that you can learn about. It's different from the paranormal stories where yeah. it seems to mostly be legend, mostly concocted. It's not you're not sure that any part of it is real. Oh, well, I, I am sure. You you are I you am are sure, sure, but you for know. the non gullible sort of realist For you, intelligent people. For intelligent people. There's a really interesting area, especially with chemtrails, where you can find this marriage and this blend between truth and between, you could say, untruth or what is still unknown. So that's okay. what we're going to get into today. Okay. It's an interesting topic, and it's one that, if it is true, I think it demands a little action out of the average person. And I think it requires a little bit more public knowledge because it could have serious ramifications. Wow. All right, so we also have a few other um, segments today, a few new segments, which we're really excited for. Um, We've officially titled our our comedic session, uh, Stand Up, Sitting Down. Um, We discuss jokes while seated. Yes, so it's our stand-up jokes while sitting sitting down. So very, very clever. It might go over your head. We also have a new segment called Views in Review. Um, which is a time where we review reviews. Yeah, basically um, we scour the web for the funniest, the most outrageous, ridiculous reviews. It could be anything. It could be funny YouTube comments, 
could be something that we read on Craigslist, could be a review on Yelp, and we mock it uh, mercilessly. Yeah. And we also have a couple of uh, segments that are returning regular. So we have Cage of the Day. Cage of the Day. Cage of the Day. Where John makes a hilarious recommendation about a Nicolas Cage movie that we should all watch immediately. That's a lot of pressure. I think the recommendation part is what's hilarious that anyone would be recommending a movie. But honestly, that's true. I, I love funny the enough Cage-ster. that you would seriously recommend a Nicolas Cage movie. He, he's got plenty of good ones. He does. And then uh, we also have our segment, Surprise Headlines. So that's... Uh, we, surprise Headlines. Surprise Headlines. Where we read the news without knowing what it is. Exactly. And we, we touched on that last week. So. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's get started. All right. Our first uh, segment today is uh, Stand Up Sitting Down. Stand Up Sitting Down today is about a bit that I have been, I guess, writing on or working on, thinking about mulling over, pondering for maybe a month. And I don't have another show or gig, whatever word you want to use, lined up right now. But I probably will schedule something for the next three to four weeks. So three or four weeks away from right now. Excellent. And maybe I'll actually uh, try to be supportive and and actually go. Because, you know, you're my friend. Yeah. Well, you know, friends, there's there's a limit to things. So this bit, I'll, 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 I guess I'll read it to you because I've been writing it that way where I sort of incorporate all of the jokes into the description of this life event. Okay. It's something that probably every comedian, stand-up comedian, person who thinks they're funny thinks about and the absurdity of it strikes everyone. Okay. It's also something that a lot of people don't like doing, a place a lot of people don't like going, and that is... Church? Dent- oh. Oh. <laughs> no. Okay. Although I was also thinking about bits about church, specifically about prayer one-upsmanship, <laughs> where people sort of dig deep to find increasingly more crazy crisis that's happening in their life. You know, those times of silent prayer. Like, pr- pr- like pr- anyone have a prayer request Popcorn in the prayer, house? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, you know, my dog is uh, a little yeah. sick and... We ask the Lord to bless my dog. Well, I have uh, broke my leg this week while right. I was bungee jumping. <laughs> right. And to keep building So-and-so on. lost their job. Their entire family was killed in a car accident. Uh, they almost drowned in a pool last night. And people just sort of needlessly escalate <laughs> these prayer requests. But it's real time, which is probably the funniest part. Um, I suppose if, to tie this into our last episode, if you were living in Hawaii... A month ago, you could have escalated and just beat everyone's prayer request and said, oh, there's a missile coming in 18 <laughs> minutes. We should probably be praying about this. I'm preaching. All right. So, so the actual topic yes. is the dentist. All right. Okay. So going to the dentist, it's such an odd experience. But if you want to make a joke about it, you have to be a lot funnier than everyone else who's ever talked about it. Right. I mean, you have to find a new. It's angle. it's one of those like, have you heard the one about airline food? Exactly. Kind of that. Yeah. Well, it's a deal with airline food. <laughs> You've got to come up with a different way to think about it. Maybe a different or, accent. You yeah, know. that's true. I suppose if you just threw on an Indian accent, that's why I think all the. This is gonna sound a little. The new, all the new Netflix specials are, Indian. Like they're Indian yeah. specials. I think it's just a lot of the same jokes, but it's way funnier because the accent is hilarious. I think it's. I think it's. 
just like when you when you say something with a British accent, it's just it always sounds more proper. It sounds better. You can say the exact it's same true. thing. It sounds more intelligent. So yeah, different different accents I think give things a different spin and a different flavor. Which so, we also talked about in our last episode. Definitely. If you want to hear a whole slew of really finely honed southern accents, I recommend you listen to that episode. I, I kinda have a feeling that that may be a go to because it's just an easy the southern it's low accent. hanging low it's hanging true. fruit. I could just start doing this whole bit in a southern accent. So this joke is about going to the dentist. Okay. And again, I'm a little scared to do a topic that's so controversial, controversial, so politically charged right now with just all the dentists that have been in the news. Well, there was Cecil the lion. <laughs> that's, so that's very true. Might still be a raw nerve. Might get Jimmy Kimmel crying. <laughs> so it basically, it starts like this. I, I think what the joke does is it walks through the experience of going through to the dentist. Okay. So you start by walking in and there's this chair. The whole room is centered around this chair. That is the is evil looking. Yeah. Evil it's looking like chair. when you any horror movie, the 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 device of torture is at the center of the room and all the instruments of torture and cameras <laughs> are, and everything are, are situated around, around bright searchlight right, right in your eyes. Yep. So it's like they looked at Saw and said, We're gonna set up our medical space to reflect people's worst nightmare. <laughs> So you walk in and there's this chair. The chair looks like something out of the Inquisition, first of all. <laughs> it doesn't look comfortable. It's not comfortable. It's designed to make it as easy as possible for someone to get inside your mouth. <laughs> and your and pull back. teeth, which is actual torture. Right, exactly. So first you have this chair. The whole way the room is set up, it just makes you feel off, makes you feel a little uncomfortable. And um, the chair is set at this angle that's just odd. and then they keep all of the instruments right next to you. So as you look to you know your left or your right, all you see is just an array of sharp precision instruments that just look <laughs> terrifying. You're sitting in the chair, and once you're in the chair, then it switches from torture to interrogation because they turn this light on. When was the last time you flossed? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I have that joke written down here. So when was the last time you flossed? Yeah, would you say you brush often? What kind of toothbrush do you use? Mm-hmm. They're like taking notes down. And at this point, you're wondering, am I ever going to get out of here? Is this just now making a murderer? But <laughs> I'm at the dentist's office. <laughs> Ten years later, they're still scraping my teeth. <laughs> So they shove this light into your eyes. They ask you all these questions. You really just want to like try to relax, try to not think about what they're doing. And they tell you that they're like, you know, just sit back, relax. This is, this, you know, whatever. We're going to clean your teeth. I'm just going to scrape this razor sharp steel tool right along your gum line. <laughs> but no, it's fine. Just sit back and relax. Pain is good. Pain is your friend. Yeah. yeah. Pain is weakness leaving your body. <laughs> See all that blood? It's because you don't floss. No, it's because you just removed <laughs> exactly. half my gum line. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually, it's because you're rubbing a knife over my teeth. <laughs> the worst is that drill, though, man. Like, oh, that, that high noise. pitched drill. Oh, it's so true. Oh, man. They it's... shove it against your tooth. and Yeah, and they're just like, yeah, like you said, just sit back, relax, and it's like you're drilling into my skull. Into raw bone. Yeah, <laughs> you, you expect me just to sit there and relax. And the... The Novocaine, the whatever, the medication never works for me. No, it always kicks in after they're done. Yeah, when, when so, they're you, finished. so you walk in scared and then you walk out like an idiot. <laughs> you know, you're all loopy when you walk out and all you did was just experience pain for 30 minutes. I mean, yeah. I remember when I got my wisdom teeth out, I they were fully impacted, which means they are 
butting up against other teeth. They're partially covered by gum. It's just a total I was the same. Mess. Yeah, just I had I, curled. I had curled roots. So my my <laughs> dentist actually he he looked at. Uh, I remember this when I was like probably you know twelve or something. Like oh no, it looks like your wisdom teeth are gonna come in fine, no problems. Then a couple years later, he looks at him and he's like oh. You know, I don't know why we didn't <laughs> oh take my. these out sooner. Yeah, the, they came in and pushed up against the other teeth, and now the the roots are curled, and they're going to be a huge pain Has to get out. anyone told you you have a monkey-like jaw? That's actually because <laughs> your teeth have pushed your jaw further, further out. Further out, where you have a severe overbite, like an orc. <laughs> They've lowered your IQ and altered the shape of your face permanently. Man, I actually, I did not react very well to the medication they gave me. And what do you mean you didn't react very well? Like I almost jumped out of the car. Oh, you got while suicidal. We were dri- like while we were driving, it was just you like. sure it wasn't PDSD, post-dentist <laughs> disorder? That took you just I like got- a little too long to figure <laughs> I that out. I have PDSD. PDSD. Post-dental stress disorder. Yeah, no, it just, it literally just made me really loopy and weird and I don't remember most of it. I know I asked yeah, for so my So it didn't teeth. help. It almost caused you to kill yourself. Yep. And, and I know I asked for my my through. teeth, and it, you know you get amnesia from from the the medication a lot of times. It was oh, like a month and a half later. I don't remember that. <laughs> it was like a month and a half later, and I was like, <laughs> "They never gave me my." So teeth. it's true. It does turn into making a murderer. It, it does. I, I think he. I noticed he was wearing some uh, some interesting jewelry. Uh, looked like <laughs> yeah. a necklace and bracelet made out of teeth. <laughs> he decorates with a lot of drunken skulls. <laughs> My dentist's name is Dr. Hannibal. So, yeah, <laughs> so, so that's basically the joke. It's bas- it's just observations about how terrible it is. So it's annoying that they try to talk to you. Not only is it annoying that they try to talk to you, they ask you long open-ended questions. Like, you know, you just lay back and like, so who are you going to vote for and why? Just, <laughs> just pull up a stool and, like, and talk. You have like instruments of torture in my mouth yeah you're like don't swallow don't move yeah hey, answer all it's these like a questions. surgeon tickling you when he's trying to replace a heart valve <laughs> exactly it's it's really mixed up where it's just you know again they don't want you to move but they want you to tell you your life story i don't know why they feel like we need to talk everyone would just be more comfortable if they just said now we need you to not talk for 15 minutes i'd, I'd say great why don't you just put the TV on or something and stop showing me pictures of the inside of my mouth and pointing out flaws in my character <laughs> and hide, you know, my hygiene habits. And it also doesn't help that they're, they come in wearing a mask. It's much like an executioner's hood. You know, they're all <laughs> yeah, covered. You can't see their face. On. You don't it's know. So you don't know what they, what, who they are really, if it yeah. really is your doctor. Yeah. And then they sit there and again, they try to talk to you and it's always muffled. It's like, right. So like, do you want kids? <laughs> okay. I only have uh, 20 minutes blocked out for this appointment. And then, of course, the worst part possibly is when you walk out and they charge you like $18,000 to do basically what you do to your dishes every day, which is just <laughs> clean them. Do you know how hard it is to scrub out a food processor? It's definitely harder than cleaning teeth. The, you know what's even a bigger scam than dentists what orthodontist orthodontist those people i remember back when i was again in my early teenage years had braces on my orthodontist would visit with me an average of three minutes per visit he pays some girl um you know an assistant like probably they do all the work not enough yeah and so at the end of the day you know he's got 10 chairs rocking out and you figure every visit 
you know, three thousand dollars for for braces. So you really worked on this. You've five, added all this minutes. up. Haven't oh you? yeah, and he so he's making thousands and thousands of dollars a, an better. hour. And he's not even doing anything. I mean, he spent probably 25 years in school and $10 million in student debt. But <laughs> it's true that once you reach that level in your career, you mostly have other people doing things for you. And But he also assumed all the risk to buy That's the practice. True. No, that is true. Anyway, we're now just basically justifying why <laughs> orthodontists can charge a lot of money. Aside from the fact that doing orthodontia at home is very difficult. <laughs> I think that's just called wiring your mouth shut. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my bit. It's something I'm working on. I'm trying to work on those descriptions, find ways in which they're funnier. And even though a lot of people have done those bits, I still think it's something that because people relate to it so well, it's funny yeah. pretty much anytime you talk about that's it. That's true. Very true. So that's my that's my topic for stand up sitting down. Today's show is brought to you by Schlitz Malt Liquor. Schlitz Malt Liquor wants to remind you that even when your wife burns dinner, silly girl, she can't burn the beer. Schlitz. So, it's time for Views in Review. Views in Review. Views in Review is a new segment, and basically what we're going to do is we're going to go through and find... For some reason or another, entertaining reviews. It could be, honestly, it could be anything. It could be comments on a YouTube video, Craigslist on a news ads, story, yeah. hilarious Craigslist <laughs> ads, which are most Craigslist ads, um, or just reviews on Yelp. Yeah. So we're going to give them our own reviews and mock them mercilessly. You know, there really is nothing like this out there, you know. No, there isn't. So. All right. There's no other people who comment on what other people have said. It's a unique phenomenon. <laughs> unique product that we offer our own insight into other people's stupid insight. <laughs> All right. So, so what, what I've done got? here is I have taken various reviews from institutions all around the world. And these are Yelp reviews and we're going to read them, comments on them and, and generally enjoy what they have to say. Okay. The first one is from Ford's theater in Washington, DC. All right. Famous for a certain event that happened there oh, a little well, while ago. Little uh, while this back. review is from Abe L. from Washington, <laughs> D.C. He says, was murdered there. <laughs> Would not recommend. <laughs> so, but surprisingly, he gave it two stars. <laughs> So maybe the seats were comfy. <laughs> there was some redeeming quality about that evening. Not even murder can get you one star. So that actually is a, um, that's a really good point. You know, if, if you even get murdered there and it's still give it two stars, it's probably a pretty swanky place. It's so true. You, you would know this is a quality place. I mean, this guy was shot in the back of the head, still gave it two stars. <laughs> It's got to be good. From, from the grave. <laughs> from the grave, from beyond. <laughs> okay, that's good. So here's another review. Uh, this one doesn't have a name associated with it. Okay. <clears throat> We're going to assume it's someone who wanted to remain anonymous. All right. It's for an Indian restaurant, and the review goes like this. All right. Surprising in many ways, which, of course, is just nondescript enough to be alarming. <laughs> surprise alone is not a good thing but they think it was surprising in many ways okay and they say dinner at and they've rescinded the name of the restaurant 
okay. was an unforgettable experience not to be missed. <laughs> it's a beautiful restaurant. The food is fantastic. And you'll be thinking about it long after the meal is over. <laughs> <laughs> we started with the date and almond naan, which was sweet and delicious. The butter chicken, known in some places as Mockney, I think we're when it's probably an Indian <laughs> restaurant, was tender. Moist pieces of dark, they've said dark meat chicken, seems a little redundant, <laughs> smothered in a delicious sauce with tomatoes, honey, cardamom, and what I'm assuming was one pound of laxatives. <laughs> <laughs> the three green sog was wonderful, not loaded with butter or cream, just fresh and delicious kale, spinach, and mustard greens. Hardy, bold, and certainly capable of demolishing even the stiffest constipation. <laughs> I think I see where this is going. They quickly changed tone from sort of a refined food reviewer to white dude working through tandoors. You go, sir. The tandoori prawns were beautifully cooked, seasoned to perfection, and tore through me with the awesome fury of the horsemen of the apocalypse. Bravo. <laughs> the duck, a special not on the menu, I would say is not worth it. It's two cups of rice and a duck thigh, and we were surprised to discover that it cost $28. Hmm. My sense of remorse doubled this morning as it ripped its way out of me <laughs> in a raging, fiery world <laughs> of poopy terror. <laughs> oh, this meal was delectable, exotic, and incinerated everything in my intestines. <laughs> my morning was an unforgettable thrill ride. Four stars. Four stars. For the truly delicious food and unimpeachable service. Minus one star for the expensive duck and for turning me into a human flamethrower. <laughs> <clears throat> wow. Unfortunately, we don't know where this restaurant is, so we Won't can't avoid it. it. I guess you just have to avoid Indian restaurants for the rest of your life. That's true. Maybe one more? What do you say? Yeah, one let's do more? one more. View in review. This is from Jason L. He's from East Bay, California. Looks like he's done a lot of Yelp reviews. And this is a review for the Alameda County Santa Rita Jail. And now, he gave it five stars. That's now I great. think since he's from California, you should give him the accent to go along with it. California? Yeah, he did a he did a jail review, bro. <laughs> he gave it like five stars. <laughs> he goes as far as jails go. This is the creme de la creme, bro. <laughs> First off, you don't even need a ride here. They pick you up from anywhere in the county. Sometimes they even get you out of bed and bring you, <laughs> and it's all free of charge. <laughs> Five stars. Oh, that's and his awesome. name is Jason, so you know he's kind of he's yeah, that kind of guy. That kind of guy. So if you're ever in uh, Alameda County, you want to stop somewhere nice, get a free ride to uh, three square meals a day in a warm bed, the Santa Rita Jail has five stars. Comes highly recommended from Jason L. Nice. Excellent. That's a good segment. This has been Views in Review. All right. So uh, it's time to get to our main topic for the day. The main story, which we teased a little bit earlier. Chemtrails. Chemtrails. Okay. So why don't you, for those listeners that um, are not super familiar with this, why don't you let us know what what are chemtrails? Yeah, so what I was thinking is that we would label this and keep our discussion at the level of an introduction to this story. I hesitate to use the word conspiracy because, as I noted earlier, it has elements of truth. It has elements that are 
easily provable. And then there are a lot of crazy spinoffs of this. So you're, you're not even waiting till the end to say that you think that this could be real. You're you're jumping that. I'm jumping, yeah, right into the deep end with this story. And <clears throat> I'm going to refer to it as a story. Because okay. I think that's a fair treatment of sort of the facts and the presuppositions that surround this entire conspiracy, what's labeled commonly as a conspiracy. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. So this will be a general introduction to chemtrails, what they are, what people assume they are, what we have learned about them, their origin, why they often get confused with other things when we're talking about chemtrails. And so I hope it stays at a high enough level that we can sort of explain just, yeah, the, the general the, the general basis. Okay. The gist, as they say. The gist. So, chemtrails. Uh, why don't you tell me, I guess, what you think chemtrails are? Okay, so I know a little bit about chemtrails. Um, I think Short for chemical, chemical trails. trails. That's chemical deep trails from the Latin. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh I from the think... Latin stupidest storius. <laughs> yes. I think that chemtrails um I think are maybe what we see in the sky, the jet stream, the the stream of stuff coming out behind planes. Um I've heard that it's like aluminum oxide, I think maybe. Okay. Um yeah. being released in the atmosphere and I know that some people think that it messes with the weather and does all kinds of crazy. Yeah, that's not a bad summary. I would say that probably is representative of the average opinion, maybe from someone who's looked into it a little bit or maybe seen a story, read one article about it. That's a fair summary of the story. So I want to walk through, first of all, an outline for talking about conspiracy theories. Because... A lot of times it's difficult to identify with the person who's trying to explain their theory to you. If you're not the type of person who's already maybe interested in thinking about things, things differently that are, yeah, exactly. or looking for evidence that you weren't looking for before. And I think this is especially true of something like chemtrails. Yeah. Because certain events, if you think of uh, presidential assassinations or 9-11 might be the best example of this. It was an inside job. 9-11 was an inside job. By best example of this, I mean best example of how to blow up buildings. Yeah. It's the best example of something that's already happened and it quickly leaves the public's consciousness. Okay. Chemtrails are an example of a conspiracy that many people consider to be ongoing. So there is evidence continually being created, monitored, and recorded. And personally... I think it's something that once you start looking for evidence, it actually becomes clearer and you maybe are able to see things about the world around you that align with this story. I don't know if that makes so sense, but anecdotal evidence, things that are becoming the basically putting the pu- pieces of the puzzle together. Yeah. Nine eleven yeah. changes the way you have to look at the past. Mm-hmm. Because you have to go back and you have to look at certain events and look at certain evidence and media narratives and work backwards and find out whether or not those were more or less true or accurate descriptions of reality. Mm-hmm. Chemtrails sort of affect the way we see things now and maybe where things are going. Okay. So there's a past, there's a present, there's a future to this story in a way that's different from other conspiracy theories. Okay. 
And it does require a general acceptance to look at the world differently and perhaps uh, change your mind in the way you view some of this evidence. All right. So chemtrails, first of all, they're really not things that people take notice of. We don't spend a lot of time looking at clouds or looking at the structure of different formations in the sky. And we're all very used to seeing plane, uh, you know, plane travel, especially if you live near an airport, you're used to seeing um, trails behind planes. It's not something that would strike you as abnormal. Yeah, correct. It only becomes abnormal when you start to look for certain kinds of trails, certain shapes, certain patterns. And when you learn to expect certain things because you see those. So let me get this straight. There are there are dif- different shapes and patterns and things to can't because I've never noticed any different. Yeah. So this is pretty well documented and pretty well recorded by people who have taken upon themselves to track weather events and how those are related to what they claim to be chemtrails. Okay. And they've noticed within that tracking certain kinds of patterns, certain shapes and structures with the way this uh, these trails are formed and the okay. impact that those might have. So not only do you have to be willing to accept some of the evidence, you really also have to be willing to start looking for this on your own. Okay. And this is part of the reason that I got interested in this story. And I would say my interest has been high for maybe a couple of years, but it really peaked only about a month ago. And that's a, really when I started to get deeper into this story, this narrative, and tried to learn more about it. Okay. So the reason I preface the story with that is because it's been my own experience and the more willing I am to look at things differently the more I see that uh, there are certain parts of the story that make sense and it matches up with the physical surroundings that I can observe around me okay one other thing I want to put out there okay and that is in the course of my research in the course of our discussions and any evidence that we cite or websites that I refer to or documentaries I look for things that are talked about by experts I don't like talking about conspiracies and stories. You know, just Greg's YouTube channel that where he's ranting about Obama being the Antichrist. He has no authority <laughs> to speak on that subject. He wasn't formerly an expert in Antichrist studies who, you know, <laughs> can present compelling evidence for why he's Obama is He's not a doctor. He's not a right. religious... He's not know, someone who studied climatology or... For, for example, we're talking about chemtrails. I'm going to pull a lot of evidence from one specific documentary. It's actually a set of documentaries. Uh, The first one is called um, What in the World Are They Spraying? And I think the second one is called Why in the World Are They Spraying Us? And And where where can we find these? uh, So these are available on websites for those documentaries, which would be whyintheworldaresprayingus.com, I think is the website. And there are versions across different video platforms like YouTube and Vimeo and some of these other... Okay, so people people be able to uh, check these out themselves. Definitely. And once the website's up and running, we'd like to uh, have links. Provide links. Exactly. So it's important to distinguish between experts and sort of just conspiracy theorists, conjecturists, people who really don't know what they're talking about when they're trying to observe the climate. Are you saying that are you discrediting any personal story then or is it okay if, if no personal, personal stories, stories that are well documented can support evidence provided by experts. by the experts i definitely subscribe to that way of thinking i think that that's true 
but for the people who are trying to make sense of these things, I think it is important to look to, for example, in this documentary, there are several different well-known meteorologists. They had worked at local TV stations for sometimes over 20 years before leaving that profession and full-time pursuing chemtrails and understanding chemtrailology yeah exactly (laughs) wow so people that leaving careers of exactly and i think that that's also very interesting and convincing to me because they have a lot to give up yeah i think the more someone has to walk away from the The more more we should pay attention to what they're saying they're not just gonna throw their life away for something that yeah if jay-z Gave up everything and he was like, hey, yo, ha, it's the Illuminati. That's my impression of some Italian Jay-Z person. <laughs> you, like, you you would be... <laughs> if someone who has a lot to give up, it's compelling to listen to what they're saying because they walked away from, from money, from a solid career, from maybe even the respect of their peers, their family and friends. And most of the experts in these documentaries are people from those backgrounds, right? So they've walked away from those types of experiences and careers okay so i say a lot this episode just because i want to preface how i like to think about conspiracies the type of evidence that i look to and how i think about the people who are having these conversations and and how i look at their background i want to give a little bit more credibility to this story rather than stories about the paranormal or things that we'll talk about in the future where it's not important so much to establish credibility as it is to I guess, get into the meat of the story and exactly. why it's interesting, why it's creepy, why it's engaging. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. So that all makes sense? Yeah. All right. So we're going to get into the theory now of chemtrails. Chemtrails is one of the older conspiracies that we have in the U.S. Um, maybe we could call it an old modern conspiracy, meaning that's one of the ones that has its roots deeply in the 60s. And there were so many great conspiracies that came out of that decade. Yeah, we were talking sure. earlier about Area 51 and yep. Roswell. Um, of course, there were documented CAA projects, like when they gave LSD to different minority groups. They were testing. There have been a few that came out on Netflix about this. So this whole era is ripe with unexplained phenomena, yep. which is so interesting. But again, chemtrails is one of the few that persisted today as far as producing evidence and growing concern. So there were a couple of different programs. Some of them still run today. Some of them have changed hands between different government entities. They've gone back and forth between public and private ownership. And I'll explain a little bit of those. Two of the most well-known are called uh, SAI, the SAI program. And then there's one called HARP, HARP program. So. SAI stands for strategic, I believe, I want to make sure I get this exactly right, strategic atmospheric injection. And it can also be, some people refer to it as strategic atmospheric aerosol injections. Uh, The name can change a little bit based on what sources you're looking at, but uh, the most important thing is that there are document a lot of documentation that people are able to find and it sort of supports that this was at one point a fairly well-known defense initiative by the u.s government and it's simply a defense department program that was looking at how do we use weather as a defensive tool or even as an offensive tool how can we use weather to gain a military advantage 
and leverage over people we consider to be strategic. So this is actual documented programs. Right, right. Military-based programs that are looking at changing the weather. Yes. And not only do a lot of them revolve around strategic atmospheric aerosol injection, but there are a lot of public knowledge databases that you can go to, like um, Defense Department websites, Department of Homeland Security. A lot of these different, um, there are State Department bulletins that are put out. There are public outlines of these types of programs that sort of lay out what they were trying to do. And so you can go and you can find this, uh, this information and... Again, a lot of it lines up with physical evidence that we see in the world around us. So we have our SAI program and we have our HARP program. HARP stands for High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program. Now, this was not looking so much at how you actually get particles into the atmosphere. And these, as you noted earlier, are particles that... um, are injected through aerosol form, so they are sprayed into the atmosphere. HARP is looking much more at, I don't want to get too deep into it, but it is something that if you do any research into this, you will see the HARP program mentioned or you'll hear it mentioned. And this was a program that looked at using ground-based technology, so these were really powerful antennas. They sort of amplified uh, or they, I guess, broadcast um, certain energy levels, uh, they created disruptions in the atmosphere that activated what was previously sprayed into the atmosphere. They're looking at it from two different ways. How do we inject things directly into the atmosphere um, using planes, using different types of aircraft, and then how do we activate or control what's happening to those metal particles using ground-based technology, um, different types of basically radar systems. So... Like how does that how does that work? Um, the the general concept is they're using radio waves to st- stimulate you know these particles at an ionic level or what? Yeah, exactly at the ionic level. So one of the descriptive terms that they use is, and this is directly from the government, they describe it as developing ionospheric enhancement technology for a lot of different things. Sometimes they say it's radio communication. Sometimes they say it's surveillance. But they give different reasons, but it's becoming more widely accepted, especially after the government gave over control of this program. They actually sort of gave up their interest in the program, and it's now, I think, operated by a private educational institution. Uh, And many people would claim that it also has to do with how we can control those particles that are being put into the atmosphere, and activate them in different ways so it would essentially I mean what they're really trying to do is heat up and cool down those parts of the atmosphere Uh, those are the main ways that you can affect weather it's by uh, creating different high low pressure systems and high low pressure systems are created this is from an an amateur uh, meteorologist but essentially by controlling the temperature so if you can control the temperature you can control high low pressure systems if you can control those pressure systems you can, to a degree, control cloud formation, um, these types of things. So it's basically strategic geoengineering. And geoengineering is a term that comes up again and again when we are talking about this subject. So stratospheric aerosol injection, our SAI program, is a stated goal 
of the US government and of many other governments around the world. And there are well-documented stories in generally accepted media outlets like the BBC. And uh, so outlets that you don't have to um, wonder, am I gonna get a virus you know, by visiting <laughs> this website? And these document China's ability and actually their undertaking of controlling certain elements of their, cli their climate. They actually cause some severe damage to some of the outlying more rural areas. A lot of this affects how crops are grown. And again, I don't want to get too deep down that road other than to say these are well-documented, well-researched stories that you can find. We've already established, and you can easily find information supporting, that these are initiatives that people have undertaken. The initiative to learn how to control weather and to manipulate the atmosphere. And I want to offer one very solid point of proof on this subject. And that is that there are over a hundred patents specifically for different types of stratospheric aerosol injection and different means of stimulating. Those, yeah. Stimulating, those altering, particles. manipulating the atmosphere a and hundred, uh, over a hundred different patents. Of course, most of these are owned by private corporations and it gets a little bit scary when you start digging into the hole and you learn Monsanto and some of these other very large companies who have also very large financial interests in learning how to control uh, sort of crop maintenance and regulation. And I'll, I'll end our discussion on motivation because I think whenever you're just talking about conspiracies, you have to be able to provide a reasonable motivation for why people would want to have an interest here okay. and be able to control these types of so it's very, very easy to go look up these patents. Google now provides immediate access to most of the patent office's applications and accepted and rejected so what, patents. <clears throat> what would I Google, like uh, SAI patents? or? This is a good question. So I will give you an example of one that I wanted to check when I was doing research to even see if this was a real patent. So when I was researching geoengineering patents, I came across this as a public record, and this specific patent is concerned with, uh, again, this goes back to sort of heating and cooling, but it's ice nuclei smoke particles produced through contact of an organic ice nuclei compound with superheated steam under pressure. And basically, to simplify this, when you talk about superheated steam under pressure, again, this goes back to what you need to be able to do is to change the temperature level quickly and efficiently uh, so that you can create different types of ice particles. What we call ice particles are snow and hail. Our experience of that is basically just through what we consider to be natural weather. We get hail, we get snow. But these are people who are looking at and researching and specifically filing patents with, how can we create this? How can we con control it? And what's scary is not only doing that research, but patents are specifically designed to protect intellectual property. And the main reason you want to protect intellectual property is because it's going to be used in proprietary methods or tools. And the main reason you want to protect intellectual property is because it's something that you want to make money from. Exactly. So again, when we talk about motivation and we look at, this is these are documented, these are real patents, they've been granted, they're being used for research, and producing technology, why do you use patents? You use them to protect information and you protect information because you want to make some money. Make money. Patents are sort of the privatized version of a security clearance. 
right? It's when we want to protect something from a foreign intelligence interest or a foreign government, we classify it. We want to protect it from a foreign business interest, we, or even a domestic business interest, a competing business interest, we get a patent. So I see a lot of similarities between those two methods of protecting intellectual property. So just to recap, we've looked at two basic programs that we know the government was involved with. There's a lot of open source information for supporting these programs and learning about them. We've also looked at, on the private side, there are a lot of patents having to do with specific ways of doing these types of injections into the atmosphere. And we can reasonably deduce that the reason that there are over 100 patents is that people want to protect this information so they can use it for their own proprietary technology. If you've already understood this and admitted this and you're agreeing to this, then you're pretty far down this conspiracy. <laughs> what? And this is why I think it's a little ridiculous to call it a conspiracy because a lot of this is so easy to find. the infra It's so easy to find this information. So any questions so far or anything that seems off or doesn't make sense? An objection, maybe. No, I think I think the information is good. So let's let's move on again to. Can you just go back through the process? I know we kind of said it very simply, but um, how do these get introduced into the air? Um, mm -hmm. You know, is that in conjunction with these airlines? You know, some of that information. Yeah. to put those pieces together. Absolutely, and I want to give another. A few more points of evidence, just sort of interesting historical topics. But okay. we know that in the 60s, they were already trying to figure out how to do some of this weather manipulation because of things that had happened. If you look back on Bay of Pigs or different uh, defense initiatives that were harmed by weather, uh, things where weather was out of control, we started to think we need a way to manipulate these environments so that we can ensure the success of our military operations or different types of things like that. So back in the late 60s, around 1967, there were different uh, programs going on at Stanford where they were looking into researching the weather. And Westinghouse, if you know anything about Westinghouse, you've researched some of these different major power players in the industrial U.S. when it was coming up. You know Westinghouse was kind of a crazy guy. Yep. They were involved in a lot of different things. And a ton of market manipulation, a ton of really bad it was like, things. Like the almost like a almost like a mafia type of mentality. very much operating like, like a mafia. Yeah. Back when Edison and and these different guys were and Tesla. Westinghouse and Tesla, they were all racing to come out with these technologies. So they don't. Have, it's not that they were very moral institutions or maybe ethical or people who had uh, the best interests at heart. And so Westinghouse jumped in and said, we'll help you develop special technology. And this is what gave rise to programs like the HARP program. Uh, there are also a lot of ties as you research this to Bill Gates. He's invested a lot of money and made public comments about controlling weather. Now he approaches it purportedly from a human, from a humanitarian perspective. So being able to help prevent things, reduce the impact of hurricanes or tsunamis. Uh, he has an, um, not a company, maybe a nonprofit. It might be a nonprofit. It's called Intellectual Programs Lab. That's a specific name that if anyone is finds this dubious, they can go research that, look at Bill Gates' connections to those, and research more into his public comments about wanting to develop technologies to control the weather. One of the most basic ways they've looked at is simply pumping cold, sort of frigid water from the bottom of the ocean to the top and moving that top, uh, that warmer water to the top. Um, alters the uh, condensation and evaporation cycles may 
impact rainfall in certain areas. This is all public knowledge. These are all public comments wow. that have been made. So again, the more research you do, the more you find out about this. Then after the 60s and Westinghouse started partnering up with some of these more elite academic institutions, we have the introduction of something called U.S. Code 50, um, 50 U.S. Code 1520. And this is basically for restrictions on the use of human beings as subjects for the testing of chemical or biological agents. So obviously this was something that quickly became a huge concern and they needed to create laws to protect private companies and even the government from basically dumping chemicals out of the sky and testing the effects of that those chemical injections. So it's another really solid data point. This is a law on the books in the U.S., that basically says, hey, you're not allowed to use humans as subjects for testing of aerosol injections. And I think that's an important data point because it shows that this was a really big concern to lawmakers and possibly the general public at that time. Really where this conspiracy has its roots, where this story has its roots. Getting into the question that you asked, which is how does this actually work practically? There are a couple of questions that I can't answer yet. And they're ones that I want to do more research on. One specifically is, who owns planes that might be doing these type of injections? Even before talking about that, it's very important to establish that there's a difference between chemical trails, chemtrails, and contrails, or condensation trails. And contrails are what we see behind regular passenger jets. So a contrail is that thin line of vapor that we see behind a Delta flight right out of our local airport here. And these have a very, their profile is easy to tell. They're thin, they're immediately following the jet, okay. and then they tend to disappear after three to five minutes. They don't stick around. Okay, so <clears throat> thinking about this, um, they're usually very, very wispy. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to picture this in my mind. Yeah. Um, because when we were talking about the differences, I didn't know there was a difference. But so here's one significant to, difference. Starting to, you know, formulate in my mind, I actually do notice differences. differences. Yeah. And you'll notice often that the contrail, you can, you're watching the plane and the contrail simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So you're tracking the plane across the sky and you see the contrail directly behind the plane. And then it does disappear after less than five minutes. Okay. But when you start to understand how what chemtrails look like, how they're different from contrails, you'll almost always notice that you don't see the plane around anymore. The plane is gone, and you'll notice that they persist for sometimes up to hours. So the formations are different, and it's not a thin white line usually. It's a little bit more spread out, so it's wider, and uh, it's not as uh, thick. A contrail is the thin white line, but it's also very distinct, mm-hmm. and chemtrails can be like you said, almost more wispy, and they're almost always detached from the plane. You rarely see the plane actually dispensing what people consider to be chemtrails. What I what I'm thinking in my mind, um, visual, you know, remembrance of something like this. It's almost like um, they're they're more solid on the top and the bottom, and then the in, you know in between the two is a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You said kind of wispy. Yeah, it, wispy feel. So but the it reason... looks like something's actually. You know, expanding of, and expanding. growing yeah. exactly and that's typically what you're seeing are the i'm going to speak about this as though it's a fact because it uh it's the best way to explain it and describe it what you're seeing are particles that have been in, uh, 
injected in aerosol form. And then what they're doing typically is they expand into the atmosphere. They begin to, sometimes they even build up uh, cloud bases around them. So we know there's a difference between what people consider to be chemtrails and what we can, what we know are contrails or condensation trails. One other data point again on this is that 32 states already have laws on the books regarding chemtrails. So this is something that there is legislation, they're trying to push legislation back against these, these types of things. It's hard to create laws around conspiracies. And I think that's one of the reasons I find this, these stories so compelling. Uh, one particular person who's been very outspoken about this is a woman named Kristen Megan. I want to throw that out there as a name. So if someone wants to just throw it into you, YouTube or wants to do some research. That does sound fake. It does sound she fake. Has two first names. Two first names pushed together, which yeah. always sounds a little bit fake. She comes from a military background, an aviation background. She was a pilot for the military. She left and became concerned when she started doing testing on the ground and found some of these altered levels that people would expect. To see. So this this gets me to sort of the main point that I want to talk about. So what are chemtrails actually made out of? They're made out of, supposedly, and what we are finding more evidence for, metal oxides, including, like you said, aluminum oxides, but also other things like barium salts, um, something called strontium. There are strontium radioactive isotopes. So there are essentially three compounds, and that would be barium, aluminum, and strontium. And then there are different variations, molecular variations of these, and they're called metal oxides. Now, metal oxides occur naturally in our environment, but what they're doing is they're causing them to occur at crazy unnatural levels. It's okay. very similar to what people talk about when they talk about fluoride in your water, where fluoride occurs naturally. It's something that we have as a natural substance, but when it's put into our water, it's put in at 14 or 15 times higher than the rate that's naturally occurring. Um, with these types of metal oxides, it can be many thousands of times higher than a naturally occurring rate. To me, this is the most convincing data point of the entire story. And that is that these meteorologists, these geologists, these climatologists, and other environmental scientists, they are going out and doing testing on soil and crops, and they're finding occurrences of these metal oxides in the soil, in the water, in the environments at many thousands of times a higher rate than would occur naturally. And I think that that's very concerning because as we test the air, as we test rainfall, um, I mean, it makes sense. We know acid rain occurs. It's something that's been happening. What would cause acid rain? Well, it makes a lot of sense when you think about the injection of, sort of unnaturally high levels of metal oxides into our atmosphere. It causes things like acid rain causes things like failed crops. One significant data point here, and I'll, I'll give three data points that I found very convincing out of the research that I was doing. One was uh, this particular meteorologist in the documentary referenced a patent. I went and looked up the patent. I found the exact patent number and description that he was offering. And I thought, okay, if he described that accurately, then I can sort of accept his science that he's conducting by, met, by testing rain and ponds and soil levels. He, he described this to me accurately. I don't have a reason to think that he is lying about these other data points. Mm -hmm. But that was, that was one that I went and looked up. He also said that one thing you would clearly expect to see from increased levels in the air would be a significant increase in not only the occurrence of respiratory illnesses in the U.S., but also higher mortality rates as a result of these respiratory illnesses. 
And he specifically said that it is now the third leading cause of, it's the third highest cause of death in the United States. And I thought that was remarkable because that's a pretty significant statistic to just throw out there. And, he, wow. and I went and checked and it was exactly like you described. I went to the CDC website. I looked at what causes the mortality rates in the U.S. And respiratory illnesses moved from the eighth position to the third just within the last couple of years. And again, that was a compelling data point that he just threw out there in the course of his conversation, and I was able to verify it very easily. So so you think that they've been ramping up then the the levels, or is, are, is it all think, starting to finally So this is my conjecture. Up? My conjecture is that it's just starting to affect us more because a lot of the side effects are hard to pinpoint. It can be general digestive issues. So... When we talk about increased levels of these metals, they affect people in very different ways. One of the most common is respiratory illnesses, but it can also be like fibromyalgia where it's hard to pinpoint exactly what's, what it's causing. It can be, um, again, digestive issues, stomach issues. It can be a general feeling of cloudy headedness, which is also associated with almost every other type of sickness. So it's hard to say increased consumption or exposure to these types of unnatural levels will cause this exact thing. The most exact thing he was able to talk about was respiratory illnesses, and I was able to confirm in less than 30 seconds that that moved from eighth to the third highest cause of death in the U.S. And what's interesting is when you read on the CDC's website, they're not able to account for this rise in asthma, for this rise in bronchitis, uh, pneumonia, other really serious and deep-seated respiratory illnesses. They're not able to offer right now a good explanation for that. Wow. So here's the last and final data point that he was able to throw out that I thought was interesting and I confirmed, and I'm going to lead this into my story that sort of wraps this up as my introduction to chemtrails. And this, I think, is very interesting, and I haven't even shared it with you. Okay. So he said one thing, this is this particular expert in the document. He was talking about, he was a former meteorologist for over 20 years. He said, we would expect to see with this type of geoengineering, so by seeding these particles in the atmosphere, we would see severe oddities. And this is what caused him to leave his profession. He was pretty much unable to predict the weather anymore. So I'm not, and we always make jokes in Michigan about how hard the weather is to predict. And he basically said, I don't understand this science anymore. I'm not able to do it well. I need to look into this. And he said, we're going to see things like snowing in the mid 40s. We're going to see snow and other types of accumulation when we would never expect to, to see that. We always think of, well, it's not going to snow unless it's, you know, 30 degrees or 32 degrees, maybe in the mid 30s. But usually we expect it to be 32 degrees or less when we actually see accumulating sort of condensation like snow. So he mentioned that, and I went and I checked our weather. And I'm going to show you here because I took a screenshot. And we'll, we'll, we'll be able share to post this online. This. Yep. And it's a screenshot from AccuWeather for Zealand, Michigan, which is where I live. On the day that I looked this up, which was March 1st, it says, Today, 42 degrees, cooler with snow. And I just thought that was interesting because I had specifically remarked to my wife earlier how weird it was. This is before I even did the research that they were calling for snow in the low to mid 40s. Hmm. And then I noticed that this is a pattern across different parts of the US. Uh, very unpredictable weather changes and things that seem to be oddly out of season, like tornadoes and rainstorms. Giant tomatoes. Giant tornadoes. <laughs> and this is what's so interesting. It ties directly, and this is my own research at this point. 
So I'm now departing from what I had been learning from my research. and uh, These are piecing those this bits is, of the puzzle yes, together this is taking in your mind. Explanations from experts and now turning it anecdotal, which is exactly what you mentioned earlier. So in our last podcast, we had a jokey story in our segment Surprise Headlines about what was described as a possible tornado. <laughs> and we didn't know what that meant. And we thought it was funny. But as I was doing this research, I started th- thinking about what this meteorologist was saying, which is we're going to have weather events that we don't even know how to describe. And I thought, that's so interesting that this particular weather event was described as a possible tornado. It was some kind of high wind catastrophic, catastrophic event but they didn't even have the right words to describe it. It fit perfectly with what this meteorologist was explaining. Wow. And I thought that that was very, very interesting. I think even, I don't know, maybe get your two cents on this. This winter's been really weird. We've been having, you know, a ton of snow. We'll get a foot of snow overnight, and a couple days later, it's 55 degrees. Do you think that is tied into these chemtrails and them controlling the weather? Yes and no. I think it's possible. The whole reason that I got interested in this story was about six weeks ago as I was driving home from work on a sunny day. I had done enough research to sort of spot what chemtrails might look like if they were real. I noticed very, very irregular trails in the sky, sort of cross-hatched patterns. I thought, well, that doesn't match where our airports are. It doesn't match flight patterns which is another very good data point. You can get onto websites that track all airline traffic in the U.S. And it, like the documented chemtrail patterns don't match normal flight patterns at all. They don't match That's normal altitudes weird. and they don't match normal flight patterns. So these, these are not coming from no, standard. These would not match where you airline. would see a contrail. Yes. Okay. And I noticed it. And I also noticed severe cloud buildup on one side of these trails and then a completely clear sky on the other. And I got to thinking, well, that's pretty convenient. They've This cloud is effectively blocking out the sun. And that's what I'll, what I'll end with, which is really the, the motivation and the goal for this type of weather control and geomanipulation is to prevent global warming. And that's really what the, the basis of a lot of this research has to do with. Private companies may have their own interests, which have to do with crop price setting, uh, competitiveness, th- things like that. There are also arguments, and I won't get too far into this, but a lot of farmers say that it's very peculiar how the year after a type of severe weather event like drought or freezing, Monsanto will come out with a drought-proof seed and a flood-proof seed, and they're able to sell new types of seed products based on these unpredictable and uncontrollable weather events. That's a whole different trail that I won't go down right now. But when I think about the government and possible government involved involvement in this, I think a lot about global warming and how that has been such a hot topic and issue over the last 10 years, 15 years. And really what they want to do is simply prevent the sun's rays from, from reaching the earth. I was thinking about our story, the possible tornado, and I went and looked it up and I said, I'm just going to do 10 minutes of research. I'm going to see if anyone has documented clear chemtrail sightings in Kentucky in the last two weeks because that's when this weather event occurred. Sure enough, with just a very quick search, I was able to find very well-documented photographs and videos of chemtrail sprays in Kentucky. Now I thought, who is this source? This must be something reputable. It was from a host at a local radio station in Kentucky, and it was posted on the radio station's website. So this was not uh, 
far conspiracy, deep web type of website. It was a local radio station, uh, and the poster, his wife was a meteorologist. Wow. She was getting kind of concerned about these patterns that she was seeing. This was just within the last two and a half weeks. So he posted these videos to this page and asked if other people had seen, seen the same thing. I looked at the evidence and it lined up perfectly with things that I've seen in the area where we live and also with a lot of photographs that I've seen uh, from satellites that sort of prove these different types of patterns, cross-hatching patterns and different ways in which they've figured out they're able to sort of mark off where they want to create cloud structures or impact cloud structures or affect the atmosphere specifically in that area. I'm not very good at explaining that yet. So these matched up with what I had seen and I thought, now I need to locate where did these sprayings occur and does it match where we saw the story about a possible tornado and what do you think happened? So, they did. so I looked all of this up and I found that it occurred in a town where they took these pictures about 15 miles west of where this possible tornado struck. Wow. Which is very interesting for several reasons. Not only is it close in proximity, but weather almost always moves from west to east. If it's possible that this was a particular operation or testing site, where they did an extensive amount of spraying. It disrupted the weather pattern. Another interesting thing is that January and February and early March are not tornado season in the South. That's typically (laughs) the middle of the summer. So we have what I would call fairly well-documented incidences of chemtrail oddities posted on a public website in the exact time frame, which would be two days before an inexplicable weather event known only as a possible tornado about 15 miles east of these sighted, noted springs. And that gave me a tingle in my spine and a shiver because it matches up so well with the research that I've been doing. This is amazing. We need to, um, I think we need to look into this um, in another episode. This definitely has to be a two-parter. And the reason why I think partially is I actually have a personal story. I'm going to share some of the brief details, um, but I think we should lead into, uh, you know, looking at this in, in the next This will be part one. Yeah. And in, in part two as well. Um, <clears throat> so first off, um, just as you were telling the story, the first thing that pops in my head is the movie Geostorm. Have you seen Geostorm? I haven't. Is it a Nicolas Cage movie? <laughs> it is not. It's Gerard Butler, but the whole point is they've developed a satellite system that is injecting things or, or heat wet rays like using lasers anyway mm-hmm. to basically heat and cool the atmosphere to control the weather right and they've used it to you know basically um get rid of all these cataclysmic events and somebody hijacks it and tries to take over the world ah, like, right so yeah. a terrorist yeah intervention or yeah like exactly that. so um it's funny because that it's a new movie. I think it was in theaters um, end of last year, so just released okay. out on video. But it's a pretty new movie. But there's so many parallels. Parallels there. It's it's like someone is is taking real information and yeah. you know spoofing it up a little bit. Right. It, it, really, really interesting. Um. So anyway, this this personal story. Um. I um went to someone's house. I. We, we had talked about some of my loves, so I, I love the, the toys, the nerd stuff. So I, I often communicate with people on Craigslist, Facebook, you know, pick stuff up, and sometimes I go to their homes. Um, so I went to someone's house in Zealand, um, not a couple blocks from where you live, and uh, 
gentleman. His name is Simon. And um, he was very, quite an eccentric person. Mm-hmm. Um, People usually are if they sell stuff on yes. those platforms and they want you to come to their house. First off, he is English, um, which is really? not common at all in no. this area. I don't think I know anybody in that I've ever met besides him that lives in West Michigan that is, you know, England born and yeah. raised. It's just not very common here. Um, so English guy, he, he told me that he's cooked for royalty for rock bands. He was, he was like a celebrity, almost like a celebrity chef. And, um, he just released a book, um, which is available on, on Amazon and, um, you know, kind of confirming some of these things. Um, so anyway, we were talking about different things. He's big into conspiracies. So there is, there is so much, it's hard to remember it all, but he had a device on the ground. It was a long tube that was stuck in a, a bowl. Uh, there were some rocks with minerals in them. And I was like, what, what is this thing? And he said, this is a cloud buster. So uh, what's, a, what's a cloud buster? Cloud buster sounds like something from Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, exactly. <laughs> cloud busters! <laughs> the, the funny thing is, um, a cloud buster is um, a device, um, and we'll get into the details in the next, in the, our part two segment. Yeah. But it's made to essentially... Um, disrupt this communication that these towers you're explaining having with the chemtrail it's made to break apart these clouds oh so interesting. he was he was actually telling me about chemtrails and and that's where some of that brief explanation sounds like we need to have him on as a guest we we definitely do so the crazy thing is i'm listening to this and he's again very eccentric and i'm just like not sure what i can believe and what i can't but he said, this uses a certain type of, of energy, organ, organ energy. And you take the cap off and there's a series of mirrors and these metals and things. And we'll discuss a little bit more about what, what it actually is in, in part two. But it disrupts these clouds. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take the cap off. And in about 15 minutes to 30 minutes, you'll notice there will be blue sky above us. So I look up. 100% cloud cover as much as I can see in every direction thick heavy snow laden looking clouds really and we just he takes the cap off we start talking and about 15-20 minutes later points upwards and I look up and right over top of Zealand over top of his house really was blue skies and I'm not saying I don't know enough about these these cloud busters mm-hmm. and that's why I want to dig into it in chemtrails part two it was so coincidental. He told me this is going to happen. There were no breaks in the clouds. You can tell they were thick, heavy, moisture-laden mm-hmm. clouds. And all of a Somehow sudden, it there's, cleared there's, up. Yeah, it was crazy. So, yeah, just a personal story about someone that um, has done a lot of research into this and has this cloud-busting device. So I'd like to look at, in part two, what is a cloud-buster and what is the idea behind how this could even possibly work? Because I, I saw it with my own eyes and something happened. Maybe it was yeah. just a coincidence, but it happened right where he said it was going to, right when he said it was going to. And there was no indication in the weather that something yeah. like that would There's happen. There's no clear reason to distrust what he was saying. Exactly. Just with my own eyes. And like I said, we, we can tell with our type of weather when it's like 
we, we get cloudy weather just days and it days does, and it changes days constantly the, yeah. yeah but 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 during the uh, the winter months we'll get days oh right yeah it sun. could go four days yeah, four or five sun. days without even a crack in those clouds and there was those kind of clouds where it's just seemingly impenetrable and then a halo bursting out in the middle with clouds all around, <laughs> yeah. just right over his house. So, um, very interesting. We will we will get into that more in. So we'll cover cloud busters. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about motivation. Yeah. The ultimate sort of goal of what chemtrails are supposed to produce, and I'd also like to cover what we can do and how we can learn more, and if needed, we can take action. Take action. Okay. Your kitchen cow mooing a little too much? Don't put up with that bull, Schlitz. Try Schlitz malt liquor today. It's the Schlitz. And now it's time for Strange News Stories. That's not even the name <laughs> of the segment. The name of the segment is Surprise Headlines, where we read the news without knowing what it is. All right, what you got, Chandler? Okay, well... This segment, we just Google news. We just pull up different news organizations. We check out the headlines without knowing what they are beforehand. So I'm just going to tell you the first thing that I see when I start looking into news. So this is from the Washington Post. 35 minutes ago, it says, Man fatally shoots himself near the White House, Secret Service says. (laughs) I quickly checked to see if it was like the vice president or something. (laughs) It's like, I'm done. Peace I'm out. ending it. <laughs> also, that man was Mike Pence. <laughs> I think the whole, the, the funny thing to me is like, oh yeah, Secret Service. Um, yeah, that guy just he shot himself. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. It, it was a sniper round. It looked like it came from you know. Right. They just run up and <laughs> shove a pistol in the sand. They're like, oh, he did it himself. Everyone <laughs> doesn't even. It's like I know what you think you saw. <laughs> nothing happened here. Oh, okay. Let's see. Here's an here's another one. German church's Hitler bell will remain in place, and it's it's literally a, a bronze bell, eighty three year three years old in Germany that has Hitler's name and a swastika oh. on it. And it's because oh, you know he did something good. Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh man, that's there's so like weird. one public work system that is just really great that Hitler put in place, like. <laughs> public water or something you know works really well no it's a, it's a part of his life that no one knows about in between setting up you know concentration camps he was like water it's a real problem and he's just <laughs> like real restructured public works and it's still really great he donated heavily to churches around germany so. <laughs> animal shelters <laughs> okay here's one putin says he wishes the soviet union had not collapsed many russians agree yeah, you're never going to see a headline that says many Russians disagree because it's Russia. They have to agree with whatever Putin says. Putin says he wishes Soviet Union was still around. Many Russians have their own opinions formed by not state-run media. <laughs> it's also a funny statement like a uh, uh, tyrannical power is upset that that is now that tyrannical in place. power was less is now less tyrannical than it was. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Utter tyranny wishes that tyranny would not have been reduced in recent years. <laughs> so true. All right, let's see here. Going across the pond here into the UK news. Bizarre footage shows underwater portal to hell opening in Famous Lake. Oh, my goodness. Oh, uh, it's funny. There's a picture here, and I actually know what this is. 
um, to some extent. So it's just uh, the middle of the lake. There's a big hole, like a big sinkhole almost opened up and all this water is pouring through. And really? I think I've actually seen um, a story about this before. Which part? Where is this? Universe? This is in uh, the UK. Let's see if it... Because I, I was just reading the stories about how horizontal drilling for oil is causing an increased number of sinkholes. Oh, I see. That's yeah. amazing. So actually, this is in... It's just water pouring into this hole. This is in the UK news, but it's in California. So I've looked at this before, and I think that there is actually some type Maybe of... caves? an overflow system built into this lake that is oh, opening and allowing excess water to drain. So it might be intentional? It, I think it's intentional. Oh, yeah, I think this is one of those, probably a local legend type thing where it's like, oh. Where it looks know. like a hole, but yeah, it's something that was, because like it is a perfect circle. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I it's think a portal it's, of Satan. <laughs> I think it's actually or an intentional those, drainage. It's something system. that like a Baptist grandmother would be like, it looks like Jesus is trying to pour some water on Satan's fires. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Maybe this is something too we look. I should look into uh, for a further episode. But, yeah, uh, check into yeah. this lake. Yeah, but yeah, and we can show show the picture on the website. But it's clearly very bizarre. Just angels wrestling up in heaven, just high fiving the Lord. <laughs> All right, I have one here. Uber calls Uber the car company calls MIT study concluding drivers make less than four dollars an hour, quote unquote. Flawed. <laughs> Notice they didn't say wrong, <laughs> just flawed. It's actually four twenty-five an hour. It's yeah. just flawed. <laughs> it's flawed because there were several typos in the study. It's <laughs> it's kind of a well-known unknown thing that Uber drivers don't actually make as much hourly as Uber says they will. Exactly depends on when you drive and where, how often you drive, how many hours you stay out. But in general, they tend to say, like, yeah, you can make 30 bucks an hour. Go drive an Uber. Well, that's not really true. On average, people, especially in areas like where we live, they probably lose money. Well, you can pay Uber $4 an hour to sit in your car and haul strangers around. That's definitely interesting. I think in order to, when they say, like, you make $30 an hour, you're looking at their peak times where they actually are charging more. So you're looking at, um, you know, late in the night on the weekends after bars are getting closed right. down. Right, when people like want to get home from the bar. Yeah, exactly. And they, they actually pay like three times as much for those type of pickups. Yeah. Um, I, I know because my brother-in-law has looked into this a little mm. bit. And so it's it's something that you could do on the weekends for a few hours and you could make pretty decent money doing it. But most of the time during the average day, it's, yeah. you're not making a lot. Uber just has to acknowledge that it's a product that competes best at certain times and it works best in certain areas. Instead of trying to go to every town USA and tell people they're going to make $20 an hour on average driving for Uber. Here's an interesting one. And again, may need a little bit more um, digging into, but it is the uh, Bigfoot mystery cracked wide open after digital breakthrough with world famous footage. Oh boy. And this is referring to the most famous footage. Ah, uh, yes, in the when world. he turns and looks. Yes, the Patterson footage. He's sort of lumbering away from his dump. Yep. And he looks around, <laughs> he's like, hey, were you watching? <laughs> Perf. <laughs> yeah, this is something I want to look at maybe for. Um, okay, so what does it mean that episodes? digital footage. Okay, here's my thing. Unless it means that they have new footage of him, if it's just them going back and like retouching up the old footage with better color, I don't buy it. It's looking at, um, you know, with clear pictures, 
of the creature showed the alleged Bigfoot walking with a similar stride to a human wearing a gorilla costume. They said basically it looks like the footage is, um, since it's they're able to digitally clear it up, it it looks fake. It looks oh, like I a see. man in a gorilla costume. I see. So, so they're going but, the other way. Exactly. And they're saying now that we can see it, now that makes more sense. They said it's, in fact, looks laughable. Um, <laughs> oh, and so, this, I mean, this is 1967 was when the Patterson footage came out. So yeah. this is one the most well-recognized right. footage of Bigfoot that's out there. And, again, when it's cleaned up with uh, a lot of this new technology, just looks like a man in a gorilla suit. Now, Sad. I will say, that does not mean that there is not or has not been some type of large ape loose and about in the United States. True. I mean, you just think about all the crazy pets that drug dealers have, <laughs> Bengal tigers That's and true. giraffes. I mean, it's totally possible like a silverback is just roaming around ghetto Atlanta somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> now, animals do escape from, yeah. from the zoo. And I have seen some footage that a little older, kind of blurry, but that appeared to be, you know, what they said Bigfoot. It looked to me like a, a mother gorilla or orangutan or something. Some type of large, yeah, with a with a baby. Again, it did not look Bigfoot to me. It looked very much ape like, and it was another one that they're saying was Bigfoot. But mm. um, yeah, I I think that there are interesting you know facts that maybe we can look into in the future with with good old Bigfoot. Sounds like a plan. Let's see. I have one here. It says a super colony of one point five million penguins went unnoticed until now. There's wow. so much about that. I don't know what it means, but I do think it's interesting that we think we're really smart and we've pretty much discovered everything in the in our world. And then they're just like, oh, here's a group of over a million penguins that we just didn't know existed. Just chilling out somewhere in Antarctica. That's that's kind of the whole point with this. And that's why I, I'm skeptical on a lot of things, but also quick to say, hey, if we can't figure out that there's a million and a half penguins chilling out someplace and we have satellites and things constantly scanning the entire earth right it's like there probably are probably other a lot things we, don't, that we know. don't that we don't know we're still totally. discovering new species of things here's a louisville kroger store employee diagnosed with hepatitis a and everyone said yeah it's a kroger we're not surprised <laughs> <laughs> oh, i was reading a different one what do you what do you got please all right so um i think maybe maybe one more each snapper captures Evil spirit looming by bar in creepy Google Maps image. No, that's fake. That's called the shadow. It looks like a shadow. (laughs) Okay, so that's the first thing I would say. It looks like a shadow. But if you look at this picture here, the shadow appears to be extending past the top of... Where there would be a shadow. Where there would, so it's yeah. extending onto a window where you'd expect the shadow to just disappear because exactly it's not because a, it's yeah reflective a solid surface probably just a shadow but, <laughs> yeah but again still, probably it, not real yeah it definitely or even just edited in it looks like it could have very easily been photoshopped I I know a little about Photoshop and it it looks kind of photoshoppy but it does look if you look at it closer here it looks like it has some substance to it. It's not just a shadow. It's almost like a little cloudy. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a little odd. It is. It's it's odd. So. um, All right. Last one. Last one. I don't know how funny this is. It says rapper Rick Ross in a battle for his life in a Miami hospital. Wow. Which is not surprising given his weight. But apparently he's pretty Pretty sick. sick. Yeah. Wow. Although in other reports, it'll do wonders for his street cred. (laughs) (laughs) Although battling diabetes is a little different than like getting shot five times. 
<laughs> like 50 Cent, he's shot nine times in the face. He dies of a you know heart attack. He yeah. too many cheeseburgers. Yeah, exactly. Not quite the same thing. <laughs> exactly. Looking into chaos and deep and nice. Finding hidden clues not once but twice. Actually, three times is a lot of clues. Steal the Constitution cause there's nothing to lose. Conspiracies. Open your eyes and see. It's Cage's destiny. So come with me. Make history. Conspiracies. Open your eyes and see. It's Cage's destiny. So come with me. The bold, the brave, the cage. The bold, the brave, the cage. So, Cage of the Day. I think that the movie that I would suggest that you go and see, I think probably a lot of people have seen this one. Another family flick with Nicolas Cage is National Treasure. Oh. This is so good. I love the movie so much because in this movie, Nicolas Cage has to pretend like he's a professor, a smart person, (laughs) and he doesn't really do it very well. My favorite scene, I think, is when they're in the Charlotte, the boat where they find the pipe, which ends up being the key. Right. It's at the very beginning, right? Yep. Right at the beginning. They're in like Antarctica. Yeah. And um, yeah, he he has this um, epiphany as he's uncoding this uh information that he's he's captured from the latest clue and the leaps in logic that he takes to get from one place to another it's essentially like hmm let me see pen pipe uh the declaration of independence <laughs> right. Ah. right he's like it's basically free form poetry and it's like <laughs> slam thinking where he's just throwing together it's just free association sort of thought he's like pen who uses pen? People use pen. <laughs> pen. The founding fathers were people. <laughs> yeah. The pen. And then doesn't he say something ridiculous like, we're going to steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> Cut to see aerial scene of DC or whatever. One thing about this movie that I think is really interesting and a topic that we're going to explore in the future is the Freemasons. Mm. So this is a very Masonic centralized movie where it's looking at kind of glorifying, um, you know, that lifestyle and that they were, you know, nice to the Templar. Yeah. Similar to like uh, angels and demons or the Da Vinci code. Exactly. But there's a lot of weird and and kind of dark things with the Masons and with. So true. When I was doing research on chemtrails and a lot of other things, I had only been looking at it for a little bit and I started getting YouTube ads for the Freemasons. Wow. Which is crazy. Also same thing will happen if you start looking into Scientology if you do any amount of searching for anti-Scientology things, they'll immediately start hitting you with pro-Scientology YouTube ads. Wow. Pretty, it's pretty interesting. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, so that's definitely something we should um, touch on in, in future episodes. But, yeah, go out. Uh, Got to watch National probably, Treasure. Probably on Netflix. If Check you've already National seen Treasure. it, watch it again because definitely. why not? All right, so that's our show for the day. Um, thanks, Chandler, for doing all that research on, on chemtrails. Very interesting. Yeah, you're welcome for solving chemtrails. 
and we'll uh, we'll end up circling back to that somewhere in the future with uh, Chemtrails episode two, mm. where we're going to talk about Cloudbusters and um, maybe some more of the uh, motivation behind why uh, some of these private businesses are doing what they're doing. Yeah. Next episode, we're going to touch on Melonheads. Melonheads. A local conspiracy. A, a local, local, a local legend. legend. Yes, local we're going to touch on Melonheads. We'll see how much time we have. Um, I might do them both together, but in conjunction with the Melonheads is a haunted mansion called the Felt Mansion uh, in Saugatuck, which is about 20 miles from where we're at right now. Very well-known uh, haunted you know, documented haunted mansion in connection with these these melon heads. So that's going to be our next episode. Uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, this was John Hoffman and Shannon Crouch. Hey, I'm fairly awesome. See you soon.